Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Pastors are ordained men of God, seminary graduates, and after a while you realize that as Christians talk, claiming to be quoting their Bibles, they're really quoting their pastors or quoting some passage in the Bible as their pastor explained it to them. Should this be the case? Well, here to discuss this provocative subject with me is my good friend and co-host who always shows up on our board as Papa Jarvis, but his name is Greg Jarvis. Greg, welcome to our program. Yeah, hi there, Bob. Thank you very much. Glad to be on. And you can call me Greg, you can call me Papa. Where does Papa come from? I mean, I know you have kids. Uh, That's what they call me. That's what I've had them call me. Now, why it shows up that way on the phone, I've never been able to understand that because other places I call, it does that too. So it's kind of comical because... Is is it like a miracle, like people that see the Virgin Mary in places? Is that that what it is? (laughs) I always thought you just told Nick that that's what you wanted him to type, and that's what he typed. No, no, that's just what comes up. So I'm not, uh, I'm not blue or anything like uh, Papa Smurf, but that's fine. Papa Jarvis works just fine for me. Well, good because yeah. I remember my kids grew up on the Smurfs, and I've got to say the particular charm of that program seemed to be elusive to me. <laughs> well, that's not surprising. I, um, I, I didn't really see it either. I did like the little. Blue people, though, but that was about as far as I got with it. I didn't like the blue so. people. I didn't like the obnoxious voices. I just didn't care hey, for it. Hey, 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 now wait a minute. This is going to feed right into our topic today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, so for today's topic, you had mentioned about people following the um, teaching of their pastor or quoting a verse, how it was couched and taught to them rather than maybe looking at scripture, but taking that other step. The concern I had, and it came through reading one particular story, and I'll, I'll share that in a minute, but the concern, and I'm sure I've done it, and and I really like one, for us to be aware that it goes on, and then two, how can we combat that? And that is handling situations one of two ways. When we run into whether it's an unchristian or a Christian, a lot of times we will either embrace the person and kind of discard an ethic that we believe in or that we were taught what the case. Discard it because we're thinking this is somebody beyond reproach. So if we see a problem, we figure we must be imagining things, that kind of idea. Oh, no, 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 no. No, this this wouldn't be the person teaching or anything like that. This would be someone on the street that we run into, whether oh, it's a brother or I sister. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so in order to accept, not today a lot of times, it's accepting everything about them, we discard ethics. Now, the other way of handling it, which I think is equally off the mark, and that is seeing the ethic and discarding the person and, and you know calling them out, pointing a finger and discarding them and going another way. Both of those are are not good approaches, and they're not biblical approaches. They're not appropriate approaches, but I know I've done it in my life. And the story, you'll know, it's the woman that was caught in adultery. And so... Whom Jesus rescued. They brought her to him, and they're wanting to stone her to death. 
mainly because they didn't care about her. They just wanted to catch Jesus. Whereas if he was going to say, no, 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 don't stone her, well, then they've got him because he's not going by the law in the Old Testament. And if he said, absolutely stone her, then it's like, whoa, now they've got him, they can report him to the to the uh, Roman authorities. Because... Right, because they didn't have the authority to stone anybody under the Romans anyway. Exactly. Although so the Romans way, were known to look the other way when a mob violence got out of control, such as uh, with the stoning of Stephen. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But either way, they thought they caught, you know, they caught Jesus in the middle. And so either way, he's, he's, he's kind of in a pickle. But he, as always, sees his way through it. And whatever he was writing in the dust, you know, that, that, uh, and then telling them, let whoever's without sin here, go ahead, you cast the first stone. Which means he and was probably he was, listing a bunch of sins in the dust and people were seeing their own on the list. That's what I, that's what I would think. And so one by one they leave. And he looks up, he gets up and, and asks her, is there nobody here? Where are your accusers? Are they, are they gone? And she said, they're gone. So no one condemns you. And he, she says, no. He goes, well, I don't condemn you either. And some people would want to stop there and think, see, we shouldn't be condemning people, and which I agree. But then he goes on to tell her, now go and sin no more. Yes, so he wasn't excusing her sin at all. He was just treating Absolutely. her in a compassionate way. Absolutely. And and I think that right there is the key of how we want to learn to treat people today, where we can uh, be compassionate, be merciful, never uh, discarding the truth, but not discarding the person either. And I think that is a tricky uh, line to walk for a lot of people. I think it's much easier for people to judge or condemn or to bend their theology. You know, either way, don't you don't you think that that happens a lot today? Yeah, it it certainly does. And so, so what I'm trying to what I'm grappling with is how can we consistently do that to to do both to to hang on to one and to hang on to the other and, and allow the person then if if anyone's going to be doing the discarding that it would be the person either discarding the truth that we bring or discarding us but not us doing the discarding right so that's i don't know that's kind of the that's, and, and i think you see that i think we see this through through scripture most importantly i think we see it in our own lives i mean god didn't discard us and he had every right to but but through christ he pays the penalty and then he holds on to us and he holds on to who he is doesn't let go of either one Yes, which is a good thing, because uh, if God was going to give us what we actually deserve, none of us would be here. Right, and I probably would be one of the first to go, so I'm really (laughs) glad. I don't think I'd be too far behind you. (laughs) Probably not. I mean, I think I might. you might see me go, and then it might be a little ways before you, if your turn. And so uh, I just thought we could discuss some of the some of the doctrines that that catch people up, that, um, I mean, I'll... (laughs) It's not always a doctrine, too. It's, sometimes it's just an idea or an attitude. I remember when my kids were little. I never even taught them this. But when my kids were little, they were like, oh, that person's not a good person. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? They smoke. <laughs> I'm like, I was taken aback because I'm like, these are my little babies. What are they talking about? This person's smoking. Yeah, and given where our culture's headed, I think somebody smoking is the least of the problems we have today. Oh, absolutely. But I just, it, it took me uh, aback because I had never taught them that. I didn't know where they came up with that. Um, I well, think they probably heard it in Sunday school, Greg. Well, 
Possibly, but I don't know that I ever saw any flannel graphs with little smokers. <laughs> <and> little... <laughs> oh, remember those flannel graphs? Well, we're really dating oh, ourselves yeah. now. <laughs> but now maybe there should be flannel graphs with little smokers and <laughs> yeah. little people jump, jumping rope. And little, uh, smir- and... little blue smurf flannel graphs. Well, that, that would be lost, obviously, on a few people namely you, yes. so maybe not. But but there's things like that that we, I mean, there's things like that that we make up ourselves that are preferential to us, and we choose to sidestep people because of them. And then there's things we don't make up. We actually take doctrine from Scripture, and we use that to discard people. And or a doctrine that. that we think we're getting from Scripture, perhaps. Uh, yes, and that's, that's real dangerous ground right there. Yeah, because I'm convinced if Jesus came today and he sat in a lot of churches and started talking about things, a lot of people go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I don't know. But I think what's on the move today is there's becoming more and more the lopsidedness seems to be uh, discarding the ethic to hang on to the person. Well, we do hear Uh, this a lot, like uh, if a Christian speaks against same-sex marriage or speaks against the religion of Islam, we're told that we don't have any compassion. When actually we could have great compassion for both people groups, but just disagree with their beliefs. And so you're confronted with that, I'm sure, from time to time. Yes. With things that you've written, talked about, yeah, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So how do, you, how do you walk that line then where you are not letting go of either one, where you're embracing truth and you're embracing the individual? Well, to start how with, you... I'm a big believer in disclaimers. So I'll say right up front, if I'm having such a conversation, that... None of this has anything to do with any lack of respect for you as a person. And I'll, and I'll turn it back on them, too, because if, if, if somebody says, well, if you disagree with homosexuality, that means you hate gays. I say, well, wait a minute. The, the very fact that you're having this conversation with me shows that you are disagreeing with a very clear teaching of Christianity. Am I to take that to mean that you hate Christians? And they'll immediately disavow that. No, of course I don't hate Christians. I say, well, okay, well then why can't it work both ways? Why are you able to disagree with me? And I haven't, and I'll tell them, I haven't been accusing you of hatred. Why don't you extend to me the same courtesy? Oftentimes when we put it back in their court, they they can see a little more objectively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, so starting the conversation with a disclaimer. It can help. It can be very helpful because otherwise uh, there's going to be a misunderstanding or it's going to come up. You might as well put all the cards on the table right at the beginning. Sure, sure. It can be disarming uh, on the one hand, or at the very at the very least, it can be informative and at least cause someone to think or realize, hey, this person, because without a disclaimer, there's a whole lot of assumptions, like the person has said, oh, you, you hate people who are gay. And an assumption a lot of times when people talk to a Christian is that the Christian thinks they're right. Christian has all the answers. They think that I'm, you know, this, that, or the other. And they have a lot of assumptions right off the bat. But if if there's some disclaimers to sort of set the tone, then that seems like that could be a very good thing. Yeah, and they, they not only are in the impression that Christians think they're right, but that Christians think they're perfect, and that they somehow in their minds think that what we're teaching is that we, as Christians, have achieved this set of morality that you haven't achieved. And they don't understand that it's actually the opposite message, that we don't think we've achieved anything, that we think all of us as human beings have failed before God, and we're here to proclaim His grace that I don't deserve, you don't deserve, nobody deserves. It's a whole different conversation from what they think we're believing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think some of us Christians need to be well-versed 
in being able to do that because I think sometimes we further that image or we further that thought by our actions, our attitudes, and, and what we're trying to tell people. Not so much maybe what we're trying to tell them, but how we're telling them. Yeah, and, know, and, and we've got to be willing to take the time, too. I remember one time I was out with Dana, and I was on my way to get a to one of our favorite ice cream places. I was really looking forward to that ice cream cone. And sure enough, there were some people that were trying to overturn Proposition 8, which has since been overturned by the courts anyway, on, on uh, which here in California had, had declared it a law that marriage is between a man and a woman. And I just said, uh, well, I actually I voted for Proposition 8. He goes, well, you don't believe in equality? And I said, well, it's a little more complicated than that. And then I walked away and I never in my life Greg felt so guilty eating ice cream. I'm sitting here thinking probably nothing I said to that guy made any sense to him. And I gave up what could have been a significant conversation for a stupid ice cream. Because I got up, I said, we got to go back. And I did. I went back out to him on the street. I said, you know what? I, I shouldn't have made a quick comment and then walked off. And then we ended up having a very intelligent, because it was a very in-context conversation. But sometimes we've got to be willing to be a little bit inconvenienced to put in that extra effort. Right, right. But the main point you're making, I think, is that you got to have your ice cream and eat it too. <laughs> right. Well, in this saying. case, I had my ice cream and I ate it too, <laughs> rather than my cake. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, whew. okay. But so, it is funny, the yeah. conversations you can have. I've, there was another time I was over at Grossmont Center, one of our malls here in San Diego. And this was another one. Only this was a young college-age woman this time, some undergrad. And, oh, we're here to overturn Proposition 8. And I said, well, I voted for Proposition 8. She goes, oh, that's okay, honey. We'll forgive you. A lot of people have come back and apologized. I said, no, you don't understand. I'm not apologizing <laughs> for anything. But it's just, it's, it's amazing the way you get pegged when things are set out of context that quickly. Well, you know, with your first interchange after the ice cream, the other thing that makes that, I think, stand out is that you went back. And I think it may not have been the same conversation had you not left and then come back. Because when you came back, you were actually presenting a humble side of things. Yeah, yeah, it's, I, I think uh, you're right. Because the fact that I came back showed that I was willing to be reflective. And in a way, I was apologizing for just making a comment and walking off. And I think that really did make a difference to the guy. I, I, I totally think that happened. And, and, and I think if we don't, if we don't have those opportunities and, and there is no, um, you know, it's not a leave and come back kind of thing. I, I think we often need to hear a person. I think that that is another way that people respond. Well, you have your disclaimers, you set the ground rules, you come back. If you've left, you apologize. That kind of sets a tone. The other tone that can be said is if we become initially good listeners, a lot of times we have too much or so much to say and have such strong opinions about whatever it is that we're more about us getting across our message than really hearing what that person has to say. And that goes a long way when you listen. Yeah, I'd like to say that I really learned my lesson, but I don't think I've ever been as hungry as I am right now for a banana split. So I'm not, I'm not sitting here salivating about having another one of those conversations. So I'm not sure sure how much I took away from that. Okay. Uh, so... So, uh, so listening to people, I think, gets a lot of mileage um, in truly listening. I don't just mean waiting your turn to say what you want to say, but really listening to someone and reasoning and reasoning through with them. Um, and I don't know that I don't know that we are taught that a lot. 
in our in our groups or in our churches or in in settings. I think a lot of times we're taught doctrine and a uh, you know the main core beliefs, let's say, and and not so much. I think it's taken for granted that everyone should be able to just talk. And you know, we I remember in college being terrified getting up in front of a class to do a speech. I hated that. And not everyone is well versed. Not everyone's gifted to talk. And really, I think sometimes there's just a few simple things that that we can give to people along with truth that'll help them to discuss this with with somebody else. Do Do you find that some of that is being given and taught how to approach people, how to talk to people, just in general, in churches? Well, there are at times classes on evangelism training, even though I understand you're not talking only about an evangelistic situation. We could stand some communication skills just in in learning how to talk to our brothers and sisters. I'd have to say that whereas it's taught in places, it probably is not taught nearly enough. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I think what happens a lot of times, at least in my own experience, what I grapple with is, um, I don't know, I'm probably the only one, but I want to be right. I want to be right. I want to be right with God. I want to be right in a conversation. I, you know, That's where I want to be. And so if I can have my ducks all lined up, then I'm okay, right? And that is not right. That's not how I see Jesus. Nobody had ducks like Jesus, right? He Nobody. Had, he had the finest ducks. Absolutely. Kosher, kosher ducks cooked on a kosher <laughs> rotisserie. <laughs> kosher ducks all in a row. All in a row. There we go. There sounds like a song or a poem there somewhere Some, in the world. Something but, in there. Well, we. I think um, it's okay to want to be right. Obviously, it's okay to want to be right with God. We, You know, what's the alternative to want to be wrong? The trick and, and where we start derailing is when it starts coming to our attention that we were not in the right and we're not forthcoming about admitting that. That's where it becomes a problem. And if we're telling ourselves, sometimes if a person says, I must be right, then they'll start telling themselves that they are right, even when they're not. And that could lead to an inability to confess their sin. Ironically, learning to confess our sin and being honest about ourselves is how this all began in the first place. Without that, we would not have found Christ. And all too often, people start as honest Christians defining a Christian as one who's forgiven of their sin, but then they start trying to behave like Christians with the capital C instead of behaving like forgiven sinners, instead of continuing as they started. That's an excellent point. Giving up our first love, giving up what you just said, how we started, and then once we start and we feel completely different and life changes and attitudes change, like you say, we then start building, it's like we start building a a wall almost built out of these bricks that we learn, you know, truths here and there. And it's, uh, it's funny how quickly we can get away from that and then how we forget. All the way down the road, we forget how it was when we first started and and lean more on what we think we know and how right we think we are rather than leaning on actual good self-reflection and being in relationship with someone to help us do that, uh, leaning on the Spirit and, um, and leaning on God. I mean, and I mentioned this on the last show, we make it more about us than about God, as opposed to uh, sharing what God's done or is doing. I remember, I remember um, good friend Ray Whitbeck. You remember Ray? Oh, I, I know in Ray. Our, yep. In our Bible study in college, 
And before I really knew him very well, but I was in the Bible study group, and I went that very first time, and I thought, you know, I just want to go. We're just going to read. That's fine. don't want to be asked about God or anything. I know I know Peter get to the group, and it's just him right away. He's the earliest. I'm next. And he says, hey, so, Greg, what's God been doing in your life? <laughs> I'm like, it's just exactly what I didn't want to hear. <laughs> exactly what I didn't want to hear. But we need that, because if we don't have that, then we do make it all about us. We don't make it about what's God doing in our life that we can then be a witness to. A lot of times... What we're sharing with people, we're not witnesses to. We're, we're sharing truths that we've learned from other people or that we've read about that sometimes they don't have personal meaning or application. That They do have the application, but we haven't applied them. But we believe it, and so we're saying it. And it's like, well, this is, this is meant to be a reality in your life. And we want to share you know, what we're going through. And that doesn't mean that we've gone through or will go through every single doctrinal teaching. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is sometimes we get a theology in our head and all of our quote-unquote ducks in a row that don't connect with us, don't connect with the other person. And we can also have wrong theology. But we can also have right theology that we put on a shelf or that we soften or that we kind of couch so that we can feel closer to an individual. Um, and I'm not advocating that. But I think there, especially today, there are some doctrines that people are real uncomfortable with it, shy away from, try to excuse or just flat out reject, which, of course, that causes me to wonder about the relationship with God to begin with, because I don't see how we can just outright reject certain things that are... Which, uh, which doctrines would you say people are uncomfortable with or well, try to distance themselves that, from? That's a good question. I was thinking maybe you would have some. I know people don't like to talk about hell. Yeah, that was the one that came God. to my mind. That's uh, that's you know, a big one. Uh, sin, and then you can fill in the blank as to what sins you already brought up, um, uh, gay lifestyle, let's say. And, and I know you debated a gentleman on your show before, and there's folks that believe that it's okay. The Bible doesn't teach against it. I don't really understand that, but that's a whole other thing. Then there's people that, yeah, I'm just going to have to... Uh, live with this and just not act on it. And other people that think, no, I can be changed. And, you know, but there's all kinds of different you know, approaches. But whether it's whether it's that topic or whether people bring up their own smoking or drinking too much or, or another one, Jesus being the only way. Are you kidding me? One. And it's like, well, those, you know, people don't like to uh, lead with those or even hear about those or discuss them with people. Absolutely not. Are you up for a, a question from a caller, Greg? Oh, sure. Yeah, me? Are you kidding? <laughs> I believe he has a question yeah. for both of us, but we'll go ahead and put him on. <laughs> Tim, welcome to our program. Hey, Tim. Hey, guys. Thanks uh, for taking the call. Bob, I know you have a guest on, so it's a little unusual to take a call, but I really do appreciate it. Sure, no problem. My question is, if you're engaging other people who think or believe differently than you, and you're asking them to consider to change their mind towards your way of thinking, are you engaging in that discussion with the same open-mindedness to change your own mind as you're asking them to be in the spirit of authenticity and intellectual honesty? It would depend on the conversation. If we're talking about a subject that I 
in, in dealing with a question that I do not know the answer to or a subject where we, we just know that there's no way to get at the truth, that would be one thing. Certainly if I'm talking about Christianity and I'm talking to somebody who tells me that the Bible may not be the Word of God, no, I, I am not open to that. I was certainly open to that at one time, though, and I believe I can challenge that person to be open now, and my consistency, my intellectual consistency would be that back when I was in their shoes, before I had yet examined it for myself, I was at that time open to both possibilities. Couldn't someone make the exact same claim in the opposite direction, say, used to think like you, however, I think differently now, and I know I'm right, and therefore I'm not willing to consider that I'm wrong. Yeah, they, they, they could, and they could, and they often do. But where we put our cards on the table is I say, well, now what do you have to back that up? If somebody says, I've come to the conclusion. I, I was in an open debate with a guy one time that said I used to be a Christian, and I, have, I, I now know that God doesn't exist. I know that. And I said to him in front of the audience, you know that how exactly? And he didn't know. And he finally had to say, okay, well, I, I don't know. I think it's unlikely that God exists. Greg, do you want to, did you want to answer that? From your own point of view? Uh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, <okay. laughs> I'm not that terrific at answering questions. I'm oh. really just, uh, you know, a foot shuffler and looking down at the ground. But, I mean, I think I think what you're saying is when we approach people, that it may seem a little disingenuous to uh, appear to be having an open discussion. That's I think that's what I'm hearing. And, and isn't that what we really want if we're sitting down with someone? I think that's the atmosphere that we go for. And like Bob mentioned, on, on certain topics, that's possible. When it comes to, it's kind of like people value the search for truth. But once you say you found truth, they don't value that. And so it's hard if you if you had have gone to a certain place, but if you have the reasoning that got you there and the experience that got you there, then that then I think that makes the difference. I think we can still be, and I think this is where the struggle is, still be as open as possible to that person and their experience and not discounting or discrediting what they're going through, what they believe, what they feel, what they think. And, and we can share where we're coming from, but not uh, steamroll them. Uh, as if we, you know, we have uh, uh, absolute truth and that they really don't count or matter. I think I think that's sometimes how those conversations go. And, and I think that's probably as close as we could get to having an open conversation um, and and to genuinely discuss the issues that someone raises. Because I've been in conversations where someone raises an honest question and someone else will just shoot it down with something that doesn't even make sense. And it's like, hey, you're not... You're not dialoguing with them. You're just, and so uh, I, I would, I would kind of reiterate what Bob had mentioned. If it's this topic, well, that that's a little different, but you'd still want to be as supportive and as open as encouraging as you can. I mean, yeah, and, and is, isn't it true that if we got off of religion, there are certain topics, for instance, Tim, if somebody said, I'm working to bring back the Confederate States of America, and I don't think slavery was, was such a bad thing, I... I'm sure you would argue the point, and I doubt that you would be saying to yourself at that point, I am just as open to having him convince me that slavery is okay as I hope he's open to me convincing him that slavery isn't okay. Well, I think that's a, that's a great analogy. And I think Greg kind of uh, picked up on the point I was trying to make was 
sometimes when um, people are having a discussion uh, and, and say, hey, let's let's talk about this, they, they present it in such a way as if it's supposed to be a, a, two, a two-way street, as if both sides have something to offer and both sides might be able to share something with the other that might convince them of some greater truth, where in reality, it's not being uh, uh, honest about that. It's, it's one side is, I'm not going to change my mind no matter what you say. I'm here to change your mind, and this is really a one-sided interaction. Well, it depends right? on how we set it up. If we say, let's, uh, yeah. let's talk about this, but we're not giving any comment about how open we are. We're just saying, let's, let's be a forum where we're each free to express ourselves, and we're each going to give latitude and, and respect the fact that each person can express themselves, and we're going to sh- share our viewpoints in a friendly, respectful way. That's not giving any guarantee about how open or closed your mind is. Once again, I think that depends on the subject. I think that the topic is very important, and I, and I like what he was saying. I think sometimes when we sit down as Christians to talk to anybody— Sometimes it comes from a closed system, and like he said, that it may feel like we're just there, not really um, open, and that's true. I mean, if someone told you the cure for cancer and it cured you, chances are you're not going to be open about it not being a cure to cancer. Okay. But you can still be open in your discussion with someone. I think, you know, and I was talking earlier about techniques to talk to people, and you had mentioned a disclaimer, um, and I had mentioned listening. You know, it's not just the subject of Christianity, but sometimes when people are engaged in conversations, they're not really engaged. Exactly. And we can be open. There's different kinds of openness. We may know where we stand, but we can be open to the fact that we're, we're talking to somebody that, and there's something very important that they would like to share. It's important for them to have the catharsis of sharing it. And that that's another kind of openness right there. Just to be willing well, to I, listen and say, I, I, I hear you. I see where you're coming from. I don't necessarily yeah. agree, but uh, I, I appreciate the fact that you shared your opinion. And I was truly listening to you while you were sharing it. See, and I think that a lot of times is what's missing in, in, in a lot of conversations. A lot of times listening, quote unquote listening, is really just waiting until your turn to talk. And that happens all too often. And that can come across in a conversation. Listening to what the person is saying, then dialoguing is taking what that person is saying, giving back to them what you hear them saying, and even finding some sort of common ground if it exists. And then your turn to talk and share something and, and for, you know, what you're sharing. And, if it's too- and there is sometimes common ground, too, even though on, on the main issue, we may not be agreeing there. A lot of times people are agreeing as, for instance, to what the problem is, but they're disagreeing on how to get there. That's how that happens all the time in politics. Uh, Democrats sure. get up and say, well, we care about the poor. The Republicans don't. Well, no, that's not true. The Republicans care about the poor, too. They don't believe government is the way to get at that problem. Democrats do. But if they could start by saying, OK, we both agree that the poor is an issue. We both agree that something should be done. That that could just add so much goodwill to, to find the things that we have in common before immediately jumping into what we don't have in common. Right. And I think that is where most people start is is the lack of commonality. And, and then it turns into um, a real broken a real broken discussion. Um, if it gets to that point at all. Now, now my concern, I mean, and, and I, again, I really am glad that he had brought that up because that's a huge part of conversation. Along with that, if 
even if we are good listeners and we truly are sharing and listening and going back and forth, I still am a little concerned that we do tend to soften or even reject at times certain uh, doctrines like hell, or that Jesus is the only way, how can that be true? Or, just as bad, we reject people based on whatever. When, when most of the people that were rejected in Christ's day were the ones that he went to. Those were the ones he went around and, and talked. Yeah, those that were talked. the refuse of that society Jesus actually gravitated toward. Yeah, and today those are the ones we're like, mm, yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have these discussions and talks with mm, people like myself, and then we'll, we'll argue or we'll, we'll discuss our points, and and so it's, sometimes we're, we're kind of going about it with the wrong people, even I think. Well, this brings us back a little bit to where, where I started today, in that the people that were the religious leaders of those days, the people were kind of blindly following them, and Jesus was challenging them to look to their own relationship relationship with God because some of these leaders were very flawed. Yes. The Bob Siegel Show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com/bob.